I cannot emphasize this enough. This is not done. This is the I am who I am in a burning bush God. This is the God who wrestles Jacob through the night and will not give him a name. This is the same God. And Hagar just says, you know what? I'm going to call you God who sees. The lectionary text, as Paul mentioned, uh, do not include the one you heard today. In fact, the story of Hagar and Ishmael, her son, are not included in the lectionary at all, ever. Not in the entire three-year lectionary cycle that we have in front of us. So it's no wonder we don't really have a sense of who Hagar is or why she matters, why she's important. Maybe. Today was the first day you heard her name or her story. I remember the first time I heard the name of Hagar. I wish I could say it was, I was so holy. I learned it in Sunday school and did not. Did not learn it in confirmation class, not there either. I wish I could say I learned about her at my small liberal arts Lutheran college. Didn't learn about her there either. Uh, I didn't even know Hagar was a person in the story of God until seminary. I sat down in my very first class in seminary called Pentateuch, which is the study of the first five books of scripture, taught at that time by the legendary professor and author Terence Fretheim. And he would, uh, in this beautiful way, take out his Bible, move to the front, sit on a stool, and just read us from the text, read to us from the text. And he would pause here and there and offer his truth bomb wisdom, and we would all just be like, was I supposed to write that down? Is this going to be on the test? And he just gave us this glorious story. When he finished reading on that day, on the day we read Genesis 16 and again 21, their stories in two different chapters, he said something to the effect of this story is why with those who practice Islam, we aren't enemies but siblings. Let me tell you, that's a bomb to drop in your first seminary class. <laughs> it is, it was awesome. The story of Ishmael and who he is in scripture matters. Hagar births Ishmael and they eventually settle in what is now Mecca and Ishmael becomes a prophet and an ancestor of the prophet Muhammad. We are siblings. But before all of that happens, we get this rarely heard, often skipped over story of Ishmael's mother, Hagar. She is a slave of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Now, as you heard in the story, and actually as you probably are familiar with if you learn about Sarah and Abraham, but Katie reminded us as well that Sarah and Abraham are promised they would have descendants that outnumber the stars in the sky, and yet it is not happening on Sarah's timeline very relatable. Sarah decides because it's not happening the way she thinks it should happen, she is going to just help things along. So since her servant is considered a property and not a person, she gives Hagar to Abraham so that the baby birthed by Hagar would be, by default, Abraham and Sarah's. Did anyone ask Hagar? No. 
Is this okay? Also, no. Does the fact that this is a thing that happened often in that time period make it better? Also, no. Just so we're very clear. Hagar gets pregnant, not by choice. And the story says she then begins to resent Sarah. Yeah, that to me makes perfect sense. Hagar is not the villain in this story. I know Abraham and Sarah are the main characters in this section of Genesis, but this part is not a great look for them. Hagar begins to act out her resentment on Sarah, again, very relatable. And Sarah goes to complain to Abraham, who does not want to get involved in this lady problem, and tells Sarah to just handle it on her own, and she treats Hagar so poorly that Hagar runs away. The words used in Hebrew are violent and brutal. And then, in what I can't emphasize enough, is a very shocking turn of events. The story follows not Abraham and Sarah, but Hagar. If this is a movie, the camera pans away from the main characters and follows the not main character. It is not done in the story of God. This is wild. We follow Hagar into the wilderness, find her next to a spring, having lost hope along her way. An angel of God finds her there, asks her what she's doing. She says, I'm running away, obviously. Did you see what happened? It was bad. And the angel says, go back. I know it's bad, but God has heard you and wants you to go back to have this baby. And the promise God makes is that God will give her descendants as numerous as the stars. Now, pause. Who else got that promise? If you're listening to the story being told, this is bonkers. Because Abraham and Sarah got that promise. And we are the people of God. We are the descendants of Abraham and Sarah. No one else should get that promise. We get that promise. It's ours. Nobody else's. Right? Here it is, a promise of numerous descendants. The same promise given to someone outside of the main character storyline. It's almost like God is here for more than just the chosen ones or something. The angel tells her to name the child Ishmael, which literally means God has heard. Now, if you take one second and, and think about if you were Hagar, what you would do in this moment, I wonder what your response might be. Because I think what Hagar does is incredible and unexpected. She names God. I cannot emphasize this enough. This is not done. This is the I am who I am in a burning bush God. This is the God who wrestles Jacob through the night and will not give him a name. This is the same God. And Hagar just says, you know what? I'm going to call you God who sees. This indentured servant, this woman who was given as a gift, as property to Abraham and Sarah, has the audacity to give God a name, a new name. 
Have I seen God and survived, she asks. And then she calls God El Roy, which translates to God who sees me. Ooh, Hagar, get it. This is why I love this story. This is why Amy loves this story. So she goes back. She does what the angel of the Lord tells her to do. She has Ishmael. And the camera pans back to Abraham and Sarah until just a few chapters later where we pick up Hagar's story in chapter 21. Again, never in the lectionary. So here's what it says. One day, Sarah noticed Hagar's son Ishmael playing with her son Isaac. And she said to Abraham, get rid of her and her son. I don't want him to inherit anything. It should all go to my son. Cool, Sarah, cool. Abraham was worried about Ishmael, but God said, Abraham, do not worry about your slave woman and her son. Just do what Sarah tells you. Isaac will inherit your family name, but the son of Hagar is also your son, and I will make his descendants into a great nation. So early the next morning, Abraham gave Hagar an animal skin full of water and some bread, and he put the boy on her shoulder and sent them away. They wandered around in the desert near Beersheba, and after they had run out of water, Hagar put her son under a bush and sat down a long way off because she could not bear to watch him die, and she cried bitterly. Remember what Ishmael's name means? When God heard the boy crying, the angel of God called out to Hagar from heaven and said, Why are you worried? Don't be afraid. Look, at I love this story so much. I'm getting emotional. First Sunday back. Welcome back, guys. I still cry. Um, help him up. Hold his hand. I will make him a father of a great nation. Then God showed her a well, and she went to the well and filled her skin with water, gave some to her son, and God blessed Ishmael. They are sent away, sent into the wilderness to die, and God keeps God's promise. Or as Hagar would tell it, the one who sees her still sees her. Now Ishmael grows up and becomes a prophet with descendants as many as the stars. The history of Islam, as I said, traces back to Abraham through Ishmael and consequently through Hagar. She matters, not for who she births, but for what she does. She sees God and names God. This moment where she names God El Roy is the only time in all of Scripture someone gives God a name outside of a name God has already given God's self. Capital G, God. This is a big deal. It is the only time it happens, and we never hear about it. Now, you wonder why? I wonder what might happen if we saw Muslim neighbors as siblings and not enemies, people with a shared history and lineage. I wonder what might happen if 
the main characters of today's Christianity, good church folks, didn't get to be the main characters for just a minute? What if we panned the camera over to the outsider, the excluded, the ostracized, the foreigner, and let her speak for herself? Maybe she would see God in a way we cannot. Maybe she would name God a name we would never think of. Maybe she would change everything. This story is a story about a woman without a lot of agency, used by the people of God, the good, good church folks, to further their own interests, and how God will do what God does in spite of people doing the wrong thing almost every time. Thank goodness, right? It's a story I chose for this day. It's not in the text for today. I chose it. It's the Natalia Turf Electionary, in case you're wondering. It's a story I chose knowing it's a baptism Sunday, knowing we get to gather around this water with Damien and Avi and tell them this name of God. God sees you. Poof! That is the big promise, you guys. God knows you. God loves you, no matter what happens after today. Avi's covering her eyes. Get it, girl, I understand. No matter, Damien and Avi, or all of you who are included in this family of God, no matter what, if people try to use you for their own purposes, no matter if someone tries to remove your agency, no matter if you are mistreated or feel like the main characters have turned into villains, God sees you. Even when the people of God cannot or will not, God sees you, loves you, names you, you claims you. You are the God who sees, Hagar says. God still sees, even now, even today, this many generations and descendants later. And for that, we thank Hagar for seeing what we could not and naming what we could not have imagined. The God who sees still sees. Amen. It is important that we uh, are a family of God, of a God who sees, who knows you and sees you and knows every hair in your head, just like all the sand on the beach and every star in the sky. God knows you, God sees you, God loves you. And if you need a reminder of that this morning in this font, you come up here, you put that cross on your head and you remember that God still sees you, just as you are, all of who you are. And for that we say, thanks be to God. So go in peace to love and serve the Lord. <laughs>